Well, good morning. Please listen as I read John 9, verses 1 through 41. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this has happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, it only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is the man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received a sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. 
If this man was not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you are steeped in sin. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin, but now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you so very, very much for the way that you sent your son Jesus to pay for our sins, for our foibles, our mistakes. And Father, you want to open our eyes and show us, reveal more things about you, more things about Jesus. And I ask that uh, today we can do that. We can learn more and more about how we are loved, accepted, forgiven by you through Jesus Christ and his work. I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And whether you're watching online or here in person, welcome. It is really good to worship together, to be able to, to sing, to be able to learn of God and, and, and Jesus together. And I just am grateful for the opportunity to be here today. The passage that I was given uh, to talk about, John chapter 9, um, 1 through 41, pretty lengthy amount of scripture compared to how we've been doing things lately. And uh, I really wanted someone to read it who could do it better than I. And that's why I asked my wife, Paula, to read because I, I think it's so important to not only read scripture, but to hear scripture and, and to put those two things together. And, and so, Paula, thank you so much for reading. Um, I think it's also fun for a married couple to uh, be able to read scripture in front of each other together. And uh, just real quick, when I tell you a brief story of how not to do it, uh, as a newlywed, my wife and I, uh, many years ago, uh, wanted to read scripture and it was at night and um, um, got into bed and, and she started reading scripture to me and I snored. <laughs> Probably not the best thing to do to, to uh, learn scripture, but that is a true story. Uh, it took a while for uh, me to work through that. And over the past several years, um, we have worked through that and uh, it's been really cool. Just we read scripture together uh, almost every day, either in the morning or at night. And it really has encouraged me and I believe it's encouraged her too. Well, at the conclusion of last week's message on um, part of John chapter 8, we find Jesus slipping away from temple guards. Um, he, Jesus had been teaching, and uh, he had managed to offend everybody. He offended believers, unbelievers, and as we were told last week by Bob, make-believers. And they were so angry with him because what he was saying was, um, basically, he was saying that he was God. And, and they were, <laughs> that's not what they wanted to hear. In fact, 
they got so mad because they brought up, we're, we're from Abraham. And he's like, yeah, well, I was around when Abraham was, was made. And they did not want to hear any part of that. So they picked up rocks. They're about ready to stone him. And it, scripture says that he slipped away from them. He and his disciples slipped away. You know, it shouldn't have surprised them that Jesus was claiming to be God because he'd already done that uh, in, in previous parts of John. In fact, in John chapter five, Jesus said, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. See, one of the things I love about John is in several places, John tells us what happened and then he editorializes it to make sure that we got the point. Because to a Jewish mind, if you said, this is my father, you're saying you're equal to your father. And so when Jesus did that in chapter five, they got offended. Jesus continued to do that. And again, people were getting offended unless they started to think about who he was. Well, chapter nine picks up from there. Jesus and his disciples had left the temple after almost being stoned and they continued on their way. Now the cast for this part, this chapter, consists of six individuals or groups. And the cast, and I'm gonna list them in order of their appearances. We have Jesus, obviously, his disciples, a man blind from birth, the neighbors of the blind man, Pharisees, and the parents of the blind man. And now, as I read this passage over and over to prepare for it, something struck me that really, I, I really didn't think I'd see. In 41 verses, there are 18 questions. That's a lot of questions in just 41 verses. And don't worry, don't worry, we're not gonna go in depth about all 18. I know lunch is coming, so we're not gonna go that long. But what I want you to know that we're, um, I wanna look at five examples of questions that were asked from the text. But before we do, please allow me to make some observations. Jesus and disciples are walking down the road and Jesus, it appears, is the first one to see the blind man. And the disciples, when they saw the blind man, they asked Jesus a question. Jesus did respond to the question, but we'll get to that in a minute. What happened next though, is Jesus sees this blind man and according to John, we, we have no, there's no words that are really spoken in the beginning between Jesus and the blind man. Jesus sees a blind man. He walks right up to him. He spits in the, in the ground and um, picks up the spit and he picks up mud or he makes mud out of the spit and, and the dirt, kind of goes like this. And then he puts it on the man's eyes. That's what scripture says. And it doesn't appear that any dialogue had taken place. In fact, it doesn't sound like the, that we don't see anything about the man acknowledging Jesus or the, Jesus acknowledging the man. The man had never seen Jesus because he couldn't see. He, he might not even known it was Jesus. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for comfort. He didn't ask for anything. Jesus just walked up to him, spit in the dirt, made mud, and put it in a man's eyes. Now, if you think about that, that just sounds amazing. The man let Jesus do that. The man, I don't know about you, 
But I have a hard time putting eye drops in my eyes. Okay, I just, oh, it's terrible. I don't like them. And this man let a perfect stranger put mud in his eye. He didn't fight back. He didn't try and wipe it off. He just stood there until Jesus eventually said something to him. Where was the feeling? Where was the anger? No questions like, what the heck are you doing? The more I thought about this, the more questions that I had, because it just didn't seem like it made sense. And so I thought to myself, who do I know who's blind? And I have a friend who is blind, blind from about two years old. And I called him and I said, I'm, I'm doing this message and, and can I ask you a personal question? And he said, sure, what's up? And I said, well, I'm doing, a, I'm gonna be talking on John 9 about the healing of a man born blind. And I, I just need to know, when you're blind, is there any sensitivity to your eye? And he said, absolutely, there's, there's even more sensitivity. I said, are you serious? I said, so, so if, if somebody somehow mud got in your eye, we don't know if you meant the eyelid or on the eyeball, I don't know. But either way, mud could have gotten into the eyeball. And I said, would that hurt? And he said, at the very least, he's trying to be kind. He said, at the very least, it'd be very uncomfortable. And so I'm sitting there thinking, but this man didn't fight back. And then Jesus finally spoke. And he basically said, okay, now go wash your eye out in the pool slum. And the man did it. That's even more amazing that the man followed the directions of somebody who put mud in his eye. Somebody probably had to show him where the pool was because he couldn't see. But the bottom line is he did it. And with that as a backdrop, let's look at that first question. Verse one, chapter nine. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a blind man, blind for, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Okay, wait a minute. That's really going to be the question you're going to ask? I mean, you've been walking with Jesus. You've seen him heal people. You've seen him feed the 5,000. Uh, actually, it's closer to... Uh, 12 to 15,000, but you've seen him do that. You've seen him do all these amazing things and you're going to ask a philosophical, theological question like that. Is that really the question that matters? This question is one that deflects or delays action. As I said, they'd been with Jesus for some time and they knew that he cared for people and he knew that that's probably, they knew that that's probably what he wanted them to do. But no, 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 let's change the subject. Let's, let's talk about this instead. Now, I understand it's hard to see anyone in distress or hurting. It feels uncomfortable. And I would imagine that the disciples were feeling uneasy about it and, and not wanting to necessarily do anything about it. That's probably why they came up with the question. But could their question have been a way to deal with their own insecurities instead of helping the person? Well, Jesus' answer seems to suggest this because Jesus' response was, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The blind man's situation had nothing to do with who had sinned. 
It had everything to do with God was about to do a new work. God was about to show an amazing thing by healing a blind person from birth. He was about to show that Jesus was God. Jesus also, though, did tell his disciples to use their time wisely to accomplish the work that they were sent to do. Well, as I said, the man went and um, washed his eyes in the pool of Siloam, and the man formerly known as the man blind from birth was now able to see. Imagine now he goes back home and he sees his neighbors, and they are looking at this guy and they're saying, what is going on? I thought he couldn't see. I thought he was blind. What is, something big is happening. Imagine the joy and yet confusion from his neighborhood uh, and the people, uh, what they experienced. Because as I said, this had never happened before. Of course, this would bring about in more questions. And yet these questions, it wasn't about deflection. These questions were of amazement, of wonder, of awe. Something new and unexplainable had happened. Something that only God could do. Listen to their questions. Verse eight, his neighbors and those who had been formerly seen him begging said, asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Another said, no, 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 he only looks like him. But he himself said, I am the man. How then were you, your eyes open, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put him on, on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. You know, neighbors, when something amazing happens, something unexplained, they talk amongst themselves. They try to figure things out. And some were starting to wonder, this is like a work from God. And some were saying, no, 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 no. They're trying to explain it away. They then asked the blind man, and he said, I am the person. And so I just, I just got to thinking, where do we go when we don't understand things? Because eventually what they did is they went and talked to the Pharisees. We go to the word of God. When something amazing is happening, we go to the word of God to make sense of what God is doing. And so they eventually, they couldn't figure out themselves and some were saying it's this and some were saying it's that. And so they, they go to the Pharisees. Now, why do they do that? Possible two reasons. One, to follow the teachings of the Torah, specifically Leviticus 14, that says that when a person is healed, they're to go uh, to the temple and make an offering. And so maybe they were doing that. They, they, some believe this guy was healed, and so now we gotta take him so he can make this offering. The second thing, reason, is possibly to seek direction, counsel, and understanding from the Pharisees, because the Pharisees were the ones that knew the Torah, knew um, the Old Testament. They knew about the Messiah coming. And, and so they were trying to figure out, you know, where do we go? Well, they went to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees investigated this new thing that had never happened before. Problem. The question the Pharisees asked were questions that had to do with self-protection or protecting the status quo. These are gotcha type questions. Questions asked to prove the questioner's point. This wasn't to find the truth. This was to say, how do we protect what we have? 
The Pharisees, they, they had it all figured out. They were, being a Pharisee, you had gone to school, you had studied hard, you would go ahead and, and, and it was a place of honor to be a Pharisee. And now Jesus was coming in the picture and giving a new, a new thing that God was doing, talking to him about it. And they were scared to death that they were gonna lose their clout. They were asking questions, yes, but they were, how do I protect myself and others from this new thing going on? Look at the way they, they, they first, when they, the, they brought the blind man, or formerly blind man to him, they asked him a bunch of questions. He answered the questions at that time. They then went and, and um, talked to each other, the Pharisees, and some started to believe the guy and others didn't. So they talked to him again. And um, then they eventually brought in his parents and then they talked to him another time. But the bottom line is, they were so frustrated that they couldn't break this guy's story. They were so cruel as they were protecting themselves. Verse 28, this is at the end of the third time they asked the question, second showing, but third time. Then they hurled insults. They, the Pharisees, hurled insults at him, the blind man, formerly blind man, and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this... They replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. God was doing a new work. He was providing salvation in an amazing way. And the Pharisees were choosing to miss out because they wanted it done their way, not God's way. And they would use various tactics to protect themselves. After questioning the former blind man twice, the Pharisees went on to question the parents. This time, their questions used fear, fear of reprisal. During the question of the Pharisees, by the Pharisees, the blind man's own parents answered the first two questions, but chose to pass on the third one, suggesting that they, they, their son answered that one. Now, while it is true that they did not have firsthand evidence of the third question, they did of the, of the first two. That is not why they didn't answer the third one. They were afraid of offending the Pharisees and being kicked out of the synagogue. We read, they still did not believe he had been born blind and received his sight until they sent for his parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? We know he is our son, they answered the first question. Parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already, they had already decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. In some ways, there was so much fear that was brought about by these questions that they were ready to throw their son under the bus. Imagine what they must have felt like. We care more about our friends and our, and, and, and our social life within the synagogue and how we're viewed. We care more about that than we do about pr- protecting our son. Imagine what it's like to be the son. Mom and dad threw me under the bus. That's what happens when we ask questions or answer questions based on fear. Well, it's time, this time the, the Pharisees summoned the formerly uh, blind man. This is after he talked to the parents, they talked to the parents. They asked the same questions and when he gave, answered their questions for the third time, he then asked a few of his own. His questions were questions of proclamation. Questions of proclamation. Speaking out on how and what Jesus has done for him. Remember how he had answered those first two times. They brought to the Pharisees a man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees were asked, asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, they replied, and the man replied, and I washed and now I see. So the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. They, they looked at a blind man from birth, received his eyesight, as not a huge deal that it was because it was done on the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man perform such signs? So they were divided. That second set of questions I referred to already. So they turned to the blind man again. What have you to say about him? It is your eyes that he opened. The man said, he is a prophet. You see how he's already starting to proclaim what he knows about Jesus at the time. Then they turned to the blind man. What, um, I'm sorry. A second time they summoned the man who has been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. We don't know, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. When they came back a second time, they were so derogatory, so bad in their questioning. Give glory to God. What they meant by that is you've been lying to us all this time. So in God's name, tell the truth. And he said, all I know is I was blind and now I see. They then asked him, what did he do to you? And how did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? In other words, he's saying, you keep asking me this, I'm going to tell you, do you want more information so that you can be a believer too? This guy is proclaiming what Jesus had done for him. The Pharisees just weren't listening. Finally, we come to the last question. This one is the one that Jesus asked. It's the most important one. The blind man could see, but what had he seen? Through no fault of his own, he had seen his neighbors deny him. Religious leaders ridicule him. Parents choose synagogue life over him. 
and finally be thrown out of the synagogue by angry Pharisees. He was alone. He could see, but he was alone. And once again, Jesus comes to him. Jesus came to him in the very beginning. When he couldn't see, Jesus is the one that walked up to him. This time he can see, Jesus went looking for him. Verse 35 says this, Jesus heard that he'd been thrown out. And, and when he found him, when Jesus found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have seen him. You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus referred to himself as the son of man 87 times in the gospel. Daniel referred to the son of man in many hundreds of years earlier when he was talking about a man coming and being part of the judgment, the son of man. By Jesus calling himself the son of man, he was basically saying, I am God. This man heard it. He said, do you believe me? The man said, yes, I believe. And then he worshiped him. That is so huge that he worshiped him because only God can be worshiped. Anything other than God that we worship is nothing but an idol. Jesus had healed the man from physical blindness in the beginning of this chapter. And towards the end of the chapter, he had also healed him of spiritual blindness. The man believed. Well, some Pharisees were in the area while Jesus was talking to this man. And they heard Jesus say, for judgment I have come into the world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Which brings us to the final two questions. The Pharisees said, some Pharisees who were with him heard him and said, uh, say this and asked, what, are we blind too? Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. The Pharisees believed that they could have an uh, experienced God and have a relationship with God without the person of Jesus Christ. And as a result, they had been blind to what God was trying to show them, that Jesus is the Messiah, that this is God's plan for salvation. And what Jesus is saying is, you're blind because you say you can see, but you can't see me. That's what Jesus was saying. And as a result of this, they went away mad. The blind man was now healed physically as well as spiritually. God is at work. God was at work then, he's at work now. He's always at work and he's doing new things in you and me. He is trying to show us new things about who he is and how we should respond to him as well as to one another. And yet we sometimes ask questions. We ask questions that deflect what we're supposed to do. Peter once asked, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus said, how about seven times 70? In other words, the question was one of deflection. It was not, he knew what he should do, forgive. But he wouldn't do it. So he asked a question that deflects. 
Might we, that not be the question we ask? Might it be amazement? Because we see God doing something and we ask other people, some who might know God, some who don't know God, but we forget to look at the Bible to see where it all fits in. Is it a question? We're amazed, that's the good news, but what do we do with it? Do we look at scripture to make sense of our amazement? Sometimes it's self-preservation. We rely on God. We rely um, on ourselves rather than God. Okay? Sometimes it's fear. In other words, if I do this, if God is leading me to do this, whatever this is, what'll happen over here if I do? Fear. In other words, we leave God out of the equation. Or our questions one that proclaim what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Our questions like, hey, do you want to hear about Jesus? Let me tell you what he's done. Let me tell you who he is. Let me help you learn about Jesus. Because people, what we think about Jesus is really the only thing that matters for all eternity. Either we believe in what he did on the cross and we follow him because we place our faith in him or we don't have him and we won't have an eternity with God the Father. My prayer is that the questions that we ask would be questions that lead us deeper in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I wanna thank you so much just a privilege to be able to look at 18 questions. Father, I ask that you would minister to us and you would show us how we, what kind of questions we ask. You would show us how we can proclaim you. Show us how we can keep you in the equation. Show us how we won't be able to stop the work that you are doing by deflecting. Show us how to do that. I ask this in Jesus' name.